You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. You're listening to special programming sponsored by Making Moves Life Coaching Services. The content of Veterans Affairs Plus does not reflect the views or opinions of Public Radio KUNV, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning, Las Vegas. This is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and More. I'm Dave Washington, your host. And as always, I'd like to start out with a few announcements. Uh, I mentioned my aunt, uh, Georgia, and my mother's birthday was earlier this month. Both deceased now, but certainly gone, but not forgotten. And then want to express condolences to uh, Mike Armagon's family, my son-in-law's father. His name is... Believe it or not, Logan Nathan Armagon, and he got a nickname, Mike Armagon, uh, from the golf course, believe it or not. And my uncle, who's on the line, who will be coming in shortly as a guest, L.C. Kennedy, is uh, very familiar with with the the whole thing of golf because we do it a lot and we love it. And the other one is, um, well, let me finish up with Mike real quick because Mike uh, was a great family man. Mike was born in December 31st, 1939 in Durban, South Africa and a second child born to Sam, uh, Armagon Sam, and Verna uh, Governor. A uh, great guy. Again, he raised three great sons, one of which is my son-in-law, Nathan Armagon. And uh, he had another son, uh, Jonathan. And the youngest one is Andre. And all these guys are great family men with children, and they gave Mike and Doreen, his wife, six grandchildren. And they were very pleased and continue to be pleased with them. Those grandchildren are Kasara, Christian, Kyron, Amira, Jesse, and Akira. All children who love their Tata. That's what they call Grandpa over in South Africa. But uh, we hope that God will be pleased with the work that Mike did while he was here on earth. And the second... um, person I want to express condolences to his family is a former firefighter and colleague, Cotis Simmons. He transitioned a few days ago. Cotis was a member of Las Vegas Fire and Rescue for over 30 years, and his children, uh, Stacy and Christopher, certainly will miss their dad as we will in this community because he was a stand-up guy uh, in our community, well-loved and liked by a lot of people throughout the community. And Cotis would have a lot of great gatherings at his home. And this man could really, really cook. Now, as we visited my daughter, April, and I, as we visited Stacy and, and Chris yesterday, Chris uh, made it very well known to me that he was a much better cook than his dad. His dad was pretty cool, but, and, uh, you know, myself being a former Army cook, I could not compete with neither one of them. But, again, both Mike and Codus, uh who were both were avid golfers. In fact, Cotis taught me how to pack my uh, golf bag along with Herschel Clady. You got to have your, your something in your bag just in case it rains. In the wintertime, you make sure you have a another little jacket in there to keep yourself warm. But again, 
Uh, both of them will be missed by their families as well as uh, members of our community. In fact, Mike had not only a memorial but a funeral service, both well attended by, and he was well respected in the community. So condolences to those families. All right. Our first guest is Mr. L.C. Kennedy, and I always like to disclose if someone's a relative. He is my uncle. He and my aunt Magnolia are married, and they've been married for a great number of years. So, L.C., how are you doing this afternoon? Or this morning, I should say. What am I talking about? This is morning. L.C., <laughs> are you there? Yes. How are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm not okay. Good, good, good. Well, I was pleased that you accept the, an invitation to be on the Veterans Affairs show. And I know that you are a veteran. Please tell our listening audience what branch and how long did you serve? Three years, 10 months, and 27 days. Wow, got it down. Where did you serve at? Marine Corps. Marine? Oh, man. You know what? You know, I never asked you, L.C., about what branch did you serve. Now I know where you got some of that attitude from because most of the Marines I know, man, they are they are different. <laughs> I, know a, I know a number of, of uh, Marines for sure, and I was a I was an Army soldier. So um, you say you did uh, three years plus. Three years, 10 months, and 27 days. So what, what uh, was your job function while in, while in, the, in the service? Okay, after I came out of uh, training, I was at uh, Pendleton, mm -hmm. and uh, I went directly to uh, Ho Bay in Hawaii, mm -hmm. because I was assigned initially to uh, the 26th Infantry, and I think they were getting ready to ship me to uh, uh, Vietnam, but I got lucky. His uh, lieutenant colonel came out and he says, L.C. Kennedy, he says, you know, uh, I have something else I want you to do. And I said, what is it? Mm. He says, I check your your scores. You know, every week we have little test scores, stuff like that. Right. And he says, I have something for you. And uh, I really appreciate if you, because I had no choice. Right. If you would take it. And I said, whatever, sir. I didn't say whatever, but I said, yes, mm. sir. Mm-hmm. We ended up working as a, uh, you would call it a police officer. Really? They call it military police. Right. And and that's what I did. And I worked, um, my detail was like, you know, detaining uh, uh -huh. operations uh, and, uh, and uh, aid in foreign uh, security mm -hmm. personnel mm -hmm. and rendering emergency stuff like that. Do you and, know management investigative investigation? Uh -huh. uh huh. You know, in all these doggone years, man, I never asked you one. What branch did you serve? I knew you had been in the military, and I know you left home as a young man, and uh, I never knew that you were a military police officer. Did not know 18, that. I was eighteen years old, and I got away from home basically because. You know, I had a big family. My uncle raised me, mm -hmm. and he had 10 kids, mm. and I was the 11th one. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get out of Dodge, and that's what I did. <laughs> so do you recall what rank you held uh, when you were discharged? Well, I, I was end up E4. E4. And, yeah. Okay. All right. So after you immediately left the military, what did what did you do? 
I came home. I went to work for U.S. Custom. Mm. Yeah, U.S. Custom, and that's when their office was out at uh, McCarran Airport. Mm-hmm. But you know, McCarran Airport was on Las Vegas Boulevard at that time, right? And I worked there. That's where I worked, and I stayed with them for you know a length of time. Mm-hmm. And then I decided I wanted to do something else. And then I went. I worked with construction, and I didn't like that because I didn't like the sun and that shovel <laughs> and the pick. So, so I, I ended up going to work for Metro December the twenty ninth, nineteen sixty nine, I believe it was. So you had to be one of the the early black uh, policemen. Not the earliest, but certainly I don't think in 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 the sixties there was that many blacks on the police okay. department. I'll tell you how many exactly black people they had on the police department. When I joined the police department, we had eight black officers, and I made the ninth one. Mm. And I don't want to go into detail, all the names and everything, but right. um, it was nine of us. Mm-hmm. And and uh, that was that was it. So where, where are you actually from? Okay. I was born in Earls, Arkansas. Uh-huh. Now, you ask me where that is, I couldn't tell you because my mom passed away after I was born and my aunt was living in Chicago mm-hmm. and she, I had an older brother, sister, and me. And my aunt came and got the three of us and she kept, them until, kept us until my dad got his head all together. Mm-hmm. And then when I was like five years old, my my father, of course, you know, I see my father a lot right. before then. He wasn't, he didn't go AOL, mm-hmm. but when I was five years old, I met my my stepmom, which was my uncle that raised me, sister. Right. And I, you know, he went from there. You know, it's really interesting, again, how you assume things. My assumption was that you were from Louisiana and you're from Arkansas. I mean, as far as <laughs> born. <laughs> That's it. No, Earl, E-A-R-L-E, Arkansas. It's it's right across from Memphis, Tennessee. Matter of fact, when you leave out of Memphis and cross over the bridge, you're in Earl, Arkansas. My what? wife and I my wife and I went back there uh, some years ago when I took my two grandsons because I wanted to see what my mom, mm-hmm. where she was buried, you know, and right. see if she had relatives back there because I never met any of my biological mom's mm-hmm. uh, relatives. Mm-hmm. I never, seen, never even seen any of them. And I, I couldn't come up with nothing because it's such a long time and, right. you know, and, and they had expunged all the records. And that was, that was it. Well, that's interesting that, that you at least tried to go back and make some connection with, with your, your lineage and your, and your folks back in, in that little small town. Just across from, from Memphis, uh, across yeah. the bridge, from uh, Memphis, Tennessee to a little town in Arkansas. Yep. Called Earl E A R L E. It's on the map too. Earl, Earl, Arkansas. You know, you remember Faye, Faye Duncan Daniel? She's down in Helena, Arkansas. We, me and Marsha stayed pretty much in touch with her. That is very, mm-hmm. very interesting. So, as you um, you said, you you served with with Metro for how many years? Okay, I can give you part of the story. I was with Metro total. Of 24 years is what I got credit for. Mm-hmm. But in 19, 1989, uh, I became an enemy of the police department because 
I went to a seminar up in Sacramento, California, 1984, I believe it was. Uh-huh. In 1984, I went to a uh, seminar, and I was sent up there by the police department to do an overview on organized crime for the state of Nevada. Mm. You know, that's back when Tony Spilatro was all in his all his action. Right. So I went up in the intelligence bureau, and I got a, do- a lot of the documents and stuff they had in there, a lot of, you know, information. Mm-hmm. And I did an overview on organized crime for the state of Nevada. And when I finished, you know, I I mean, I was just, you know, going through the motion. But when I finished, it seemed like everybody stood up in a problem. Mm-hmm. And there was a lady, it was a lady there. Her name was Teresa Johnson, and she was from the Justice Department in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. So after everything was over with, and you know what? Everybody goes into little bars and things and hang out for a little while before they go to bed. Right. So I went into this bar and I was standing up talking to a couple of guys from uh, uh, Washington. Mm-hmm. And so, no, from Indiana. I was talking to a couple of brothers from Indiana. Mm-hmm. So this lady walked over to me and she says, can I speak to you? And I looked at her. She was a beautiful lady. Mm-hmm. And I looked at her and I said, you sure can, just like that. <laughs> right. And I told the two brothers, I said, hey, man, I'll talk to you guys later. Uh-huh. But what I didn't know, what I didn't know was she was an attorney with the Justice Department. Okay. So she said to me, she says, you know, these most of these uh, departments, they send lieutenants, captains, mm-hmm. majors, and so on and so on and so on. Why did the Metropolitan Police Department send a detective? Mm. I said, ma'am, they sent the best they had. And that's me. <laughs> All right. And that's how I said it to her, just like that. So, and then she asked me my name, I gave mm-hmm, it to her. She mm-hmm. asked me my address, and I gave it to her. Mm-hmm. She asked me my telephone number, and I gave it to her. I still didn't know that she was an attorney mm-hmm. from, from the Justice Department. She didn't tell me. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I left. And when, when she left, she walked away. And there were two brothers I've been talked to. I went over and I said, "Hey man, look, I, said, I thought I had been going here, but all they did was ask me some questions uh, like that." And they said, "Oh well, you know, at least you got a chance to talk to that fox." That's what one of the guys said, just like that. But about two weeks, three weeks later, mm-hmm. I had two people knock on the door, and Magnolia come to the door, and she said to me, "Elsie," she said, "A white lady and a white guy is at the door," mm-hmm. and I said. I said, let him in. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, you come do it. Because she was looking through the peephole. Right. So I went to the door and looked. You know, he was standing there, polite and everything. I mm-hmm. opened up the door. Mm-hmm. And this lady name was Jane Ryan. Mm-hmm. And the guy's name was Angus, Jim Angus. Mm-hmm. They, were two, they were two attorneys from Washington, D.C. And then they started asking me a whole bunch of questions, you know, about, about the Metropolitan Police Department. Mm-hmm. And I... I just laid it on the line the way it was. Right. I said, well, I said, we have nine blacks. I said, they fired three and they hired three to replace the nine. Mm-hmm. And we, we have nine now. And it was nine when I came on the department, December right. 29, uh, uh, 69, just like that. Right. And I said, you know, I said, they have one Mexican and they have no Asian. And I said, and I said, they have no women just well, like that. You know, and then we, Time, time, time really flies, man. We only had about 10, 12 minutes and I want you to wrap up, but uh, certainly I'm going to get you back on because it seemed like you had a lot of detail about what was going on with the department. And I think it's important for our community to be well aware of that. So give me some closing remarks if you would. Yeah. Well, anyway, closing remarks is out of the whole thing, I ended up getting a lieutenant, rank of lieutenant 
and mm. uh, and I'm pretty satisfied with the salary they gave me. All right, sounds yeah. good. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and I had we had Lieutenant Jackson uh, last month, so I'm getting a lot of insight on what occurred down at the Metropolitan Police Department, and hopefully the work that you guys did have brought some change there. So thank you, Unc. I'll be in touch. Okay, see you. All right. Bye. Once again, good morning, Las Vegas. This is Veteran Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and More. I'm Dave Washington, your host. I have another guest. Uh, you know, I've known this young lady for a number of years and had no idea that she was a veteran. Tamia Dow, how are you, young lady? I mean, when you told me that when we saw you in the store the other day, I'm like, what? Why did I know that? How are you? I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Please please tell our listening audience what branch did you serve in and, and, and how long did you serve? So I am a Army, mm-hmm. Army officer. Okay. Um, yeah, I served uh, in here in the Reserves and the National Guard, the Nevada National Guard. Mm-hmm. And I served for nine years. Uh, and I also served during my time as a Metro officer. So I worked for the LVMPD as a police officer during the same time I was serving as a MP in the 72nd MP Corps here. Wow. So were you born and raised in Las Vegas? No, I was not. <laughs> where, where are you from? I am my family. Okay. So I was born in Buffalo. Okay. Um, but my father was a corporate salesperson. So my family has literally lived all over. We lived in West Virginia, North Carolina, mm. Ohio, until my parents divorced. And then when my parents divorced, uh, my mother moved us all to Vegas and we've been here ever since. Okay. And you said your job in the military was uh, military police. Did I hear that? Correct. Okay. Correct. All right. And how? And, and you actually spent time in the reserves to you actually, I assume, get a retirement from them as well, from the military. Or did you not? No, I don't. Uh, no, no. There's a whole bunch of veterans issues that I, people are talking to me about right now that I haven't tapped into mm-hmm. because most people don't realize that as a veteran, you, there's a lot of resources available to you. Right. And right now, I'm currently the president of the UNLV Veterans Alumni Club out there at UNLV where you're at right now. Right. And I'm a whole lot because uh, my part as a president is to be aware of resources and things that are available for veterans in our community. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding out and learning a whole lot because a lot of times people think that if they're, if they were a reservist or if they were in the guard, that they have no access to VA benefits and things such as that, right. which is not true. Right. Yeah. So it's something I've, I've learned in my capacity uh, working with the veterans alumni club. And how long have you been uh, leading that group? I've been with the group. So I was a founding member of the group. We started about five years ago and mm-hmm. I am the current president. So I have a, a one year term. So since January, I've been the president. Okay. I was the previous vice president prior to this. Oh, congratulations. So what rank were you when you were discharged? <laughs> I was a first lieutenant. First Louis. All right. Yep. And you serve. <laughs> the bars cons- weren't butter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so once you. Once you uh, actually exited the military, what did you get into? 
I was actually, as I was mentioning, I was actually working for Metro. So I just uh, continued with my law enforcement career along, uh, with Metro. So you you were law enforcement with Metro prior to getting into the reserves or vice versa? No, I was in the military first. Okay. And then just kind of continued on as you were serving with Metro. Correct. Excellent. Excellent. So what were some of the different positions you held uh, while you were with Metro? I had some good, I had some good jobs. <laughs> I, I worked, uh, I worked in Aiken city for a vast majority of my career. And Aiken city is the area down there now behind the stratosphere. Uh-huh. At the time it was behind Vegas world. Um, and it was called the Naked city because of the fact that the showgirls coming from the main part of the strip mm-hmm. would stay in those apartments back there mm-hmm. and they would suntan outside naked, you mm-hmm. know, because the showgirls were topless. Mm-hmm. So they call it the Naked city. Most people don't know that trivia. So that's, <laughs> Wait a minute. Give me give me that again. Okay, so that is this is a trivial fact. Right, right. The reason that that area is called the Naked City is because the showgirls from the Strip, because uh, you realize Naked City is right off of the Las Vegas Strip, right, and it's off of Sahara. Uh-huh. The Strip technically ends at Sahara, technically, right. Uh, but anyway, so the the showgirls stayed there behind Vegas World in those apartment complexes, and they would actually do their sunning and everything, so they could be tanned for their performances, and they would do it topless. So basically, <laughs> hence came the Naked City. Ain't that something? And I trust and would imagine that not a lot of people know that, including myself. And I've been here for 60 some years in in the city of Las Vegas. Very interesting. Uh, Look, you got a lot of stuff going on in your life. Let's talk a little bit about that, if you will. Just kind of give an indication of some of the things that you're involved with. I know you're you're an ordained minister. And you uh, do some I think you do some movies or something. When we when my wife and I saw you at the store, you was giving me an indication. I was on. Yes, I was on my way to the Cannes Film Festival, which is like probably one of the most prestigious uh, locations for filmmakers to go. People mm. want their films to be seen at Cannes, mm-hmm. and they want to be showcased at Cannes. So I was blessed to be at the Cannes Film Festival in France. It's my second time being there mm-hmm. as a producer, because I have produced since 2018 13 different short educational films having to do with some of the expertise I got in law enforcement, right. which as you were asking me some of the assignments that I had when I was on Metro, uh, one of the assignments I had was right prior to retirement, I was a domestic violence detective. Mm-hmm. So I had all kind of specialized training in the area of dealing with victims of sex trafficking, mm-hmm. you know, stalking victims, domestic violence, those kind of things. So Learning from some of the situations that I experienced as a detective, I create short dramas. So they're fictionalized dramas, Mm -hmm. but educational dramas to tell people and show people in a short format how to recognize and how to get out of those particular type of situations. So these are, I would imagine that that someone that's training their personnel would, would order these types of short videos to for their training sessions. You know what? I have actually done in-person training sessions, so I've physically gone, like I've done a Curacao, I've done some here in the, in the Valley, mm-hmm. where I actually have the film, and then I teach from the film. Oh, so basically, okay. after they've seen the film, then what I would say is, okay, so you remember in this, in this particular situation, Nora was doing this, and this, and this, and this. Well, this is how you would have handled this, or, or this is how you want to approach that. You know, so I do what 
it's called best practices mm-hmm. in uh, best practices in domestic violence and best practices in um, dealing with victims of sexual. Um, I'm sorry, correction, sex trafficking, not sexual violence, mm-hmm. but sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do that for I do present that for civilian and um, police agencies, and have been blessed to be able to do that around the world. In fact, I my most recent one was for Curacao. I got to go and do training. In Curacao, which is one of what they call the ABC Islands um, out in the middle of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. there's Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao. So it was, it was very nice experience to go out there. And I got a lot of the invites and do get a lot of the invites because of my police experience. Mm-hmm. Because during the time I was on Metro, I was a part of the International Association of Women Police and was blessed to travel literally around the world and, and learn about you know, different policing situations around the world. Mm -hmm. Even after I retired, so I retired like in 2012, I took three years and just went and visited my police colleagues around the world Mm -hmm. and just kind of tapped into learning a lot about my specific uh, concern was dealing with uh, women's issues in their particular countries and finding out how women were treated and Mm -hmm. how women were cared for, you know, and I went to a few African countries and they actually, domestic violence isn't even on the books. Mm. There's no such thing as domestic violence. You know, if you beat your wife, oh, well, if Mm. she dies, oh, well, Mm. you know, I mean, it was a very sad situation because in some of those countries, women are bought by dowry. Mm. And, and I say bought by dowry. People will say, oh, yeah, she has a dowry. Well, basically, the husband's family buys the, the woman. Mm. And the woman is treated just like a, sometimes like an indentured, indentured servant, sometimes just like cattle. Literally, like if, if he gives birth to and, 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 you know, blesses the family with six kids. Right. And then decides she wants to leave her husband because he's abusive. Mm-hmm. They tell her, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead and leave. But your children stay here. Mm. You know, so it's, it, it's very interesting dynamic in some countries. Absolutely. Yeah. That is very, very interesting. Look, uh, I want to double back to the uh, UNLV's Veterans Alumni Club. How can yeah. people, uh, particularly vets who hopefully are listening out there, can, can make contact? Well, they can contact, uh, they can get a hold of me. Um, I'm, I'm at Coach to me at Gmail. They can get a hold of me at Coach to me at Gmail. Mm. Or you can go on the UNLV website, and we actually do have our own page on the UNLV website, the UNLV Veterans Alumni Club, and there'll be a link on there to also communicate with me because you end up connecting with me through that link. Mm-hmm. We, uh, our main goal is we, we do community service. We go out to community service. We just got through uh, on Memorial Day doing a, an event in connection with uh, Healthy Brain Warriors out on Mount Charleston, where um, I was blessed using my ordained minister hat, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to walk everybody through a kind of a memorial ceremony dealing with veterans. And the veterans were honoring basically their fallen comrades, you know, people who they knew right. in service who lost their life, you know. So the true meaning of memorial service for veterans, right. you know, because many veterans are looking back and thinking about, their colleagues that, you know, are not here celebrating, mm-hmm. you know, that day. Right. So, yeah, so uh, we do community service. We do professional development. We have a class, or we have a training coming up in September mm-hmm. that is going to be about educating business owners, people who may be uh, veterans who may be interested in, in having a business or want to build their business. We're going to have specific, specific speakers that will come out and tell them what they need to do to to enhance their business or to start their business, whichever is needed. So veterans alumni will be doing that. And, and to become a member, anybody can partake as right. a veteran. Anybody can 
take. Mm-hmm. But we, our membership consists of people who graduated from UNLV. Mm-hmm. So I graduated from UNLV in, oh my gosh, this is so hard to say, <laughs> in 1987. Oh, really? <laughs> and what, what, was yeah. your, what was your major? Criminal justice. Okay. Yeah, criminal justice. Right, cool. And I actually went to the uh, ROTC program out there, the, mm-hmm. the uh, Army ROTC program out at UNLV. Now they have Army and Air Force out at um, UNLV. And if any of your listeners are, are listening and they're interested in, in looking into coming on campus, maybe starting their educational career, they haven't used their VA benefits or anything yet, mm-hmm. have them reach out to me too because there's many of resources available mm-hmm. for those who are interested in um, going back to school, mm-hmm. you know, coming out to UNLV or CSN, one of those locations. There's a lot of programs I can introduce them to and right. I would be happy to to get them on board. Absolutely. Well, thank you, young lady. I appreciate it. And I, I'm, I'm so pleased that you took this opportunity because I think you shared some stuff that will be very important to our listening audience. So thank you so much. This is Veteran well, Affairs Plus. Go ahead, Don. I said thank you for having me, Chief. I appreciate you. Sure. This is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and More. Talk to you next week. Oh